morning, um, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Julie, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, November 27th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page XV, forward to the second edition, the first paragraph. Today's readers are Philomena for the 12 steps, Nancy T for 12 traditions. The readers are Karen, Penny, Michelle, and Fran. The reference number for Tuesday the 26th is 5529. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who stopped being compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's tradition states, each group has one primary purpose carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. B, I will now ask Philomena to read the 12 steps. Uh, thank you, uh, Julie. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Philomena, a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you and pass. Thank you, Philomena. I will now ask Nancy to read the 12 traditions. Nancy, are you on the line? Hi, this is Melanie. I can do that. Yep, I'm here. I'm sorry I was muted. I thought I was unmuted. This is Nancy, compulsive overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 
3, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. 4, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6, if OA groups are ever endorsed, financed, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name might never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Without a pass. Thank you, Nancy. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop to share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There are no abstinent requirements for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XV, forward to the second edition, the first paragraph, starting with, since the original. I will ask Karen to begin reading. This is Karen. Karen? Uh, Yes, I can. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Forward to the second edition. Figures given in this forward describe the fellowship as it was in 1955. Since the original forward to this book was written in 1939, a wholesale miracle has taken place. Our earliest printing voiced the hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. Already continues the early text, twos and threes and fives of us have sprung up in other communities. And I pass. Hi, would anyone like to share in this paragraph? Press star one, unmute. This is Katie from Boston. Sally, hi, Laura. Okay, so I have Katie, Sally, and Laura. So go ahead, Katie. 
Good morning, everyone. This is Katie, recovered compulsive over a year from Boston, Massachusetts. Grateful to be on the line this morning and just some wonderful words to hear um, this morning as a recovered compulsive overeater, the first being miracle, right? A miracle is an event not expected by nature or scientific laws um, and is considered a work of divine agency. I mean, I never expected um, that I would end up in a program called Overeaters Anonymous and that Overeaters Anonymous would be something that saved my life and that you know, this, uh, I mean, it's such an um, amazing construction of, of something that is not human that, you know, my biggest um, destructive habit, my biggest destructive um, personality became, um, and you know, along with other people's biggest issue in their lives, became the best asset, and not just an asset, but something that's saving each other's lives. And um, I love that it says hope, right? This feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Like when I was eating, I never felt hope. I never knew what hope was. I mean, I, I hoped that the food would blot me out. I hoped that the food would take away all somehow all the self-hatred. I hoped that the food would bring me into somebody else's life, would help me escape. But there is a fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous that is offering me hope that has been constructed, you know, back in the 1930s, you know, which is pretty amazing. And, um... You know, when I first came into the rooms, what I found hopeful was that people were talking about my disease, right? Like, I never knew that there was a language that was outside of my head of, I hate myself, I am going to eat, I am going to hurt myself until um, I don't want to live anymore, I want to die. I didn't know that people, people used food the way I did. But even more importantly, the message of death and weight that we carry, that it is possible to have be recovered and to, to, to live in this miracle every day, to have a solution every day that was created by these guys who just, you know, they were dying for this, from the same disease that I have. And thank you, God. What a miracle. You know, again, like I say, I've been given the opportunity to live multiple lives in one lifetime. And that opportunity is, is it was begun in the 1930s by, you know, a, a group of desperate drunks who just tried. And that is phenomenal. And for that, I am truly grateful, and I pass. Thank you, Katie. Sally? Thank you. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater. I want to speak to this, these precious words, a wholesale miracle. These are some very powerful words, a wholesale miracle. To begin with, I want to turn to page XXVII at the bottom of that page, XXVII in the doctor's opinion, where it says, the unselfishness of these men, as we have come to know them, the entire absence of profit motive and their community spirit is indeed inspiring to one who has labored long and wearily in this alcoholic field. They believe in themselves and still more in the power which pulls chronic alcoholics back from the gates of death. 
that's what it reminds me of, a wholesale miracle. Who doesn't love to go to their favorite store and see signs plastered all over the windows that say wholesale, that we're going to have a sale that's going to be 40% off or 60% off because we're not going to sell it at retail. We're going to sell it at wholesale at our cost. And what a cost was it to these men who were broke, who had already been ravaged by this disease, who had, been, who had already had reached the bottom and were financially destitute and striving to just function for their families. They were broke, and yet they did it with complete, as it says on that page again, they did it with an absence of profit motive. That's wholesale. Since the original forward to this book was written in 1939, a wholesale miracle has taken place. And you know, the fact that it, they join those two words, a wholesale miracle, that this is a gift. A miracle is a gift. It's an incredible thing that God does in our lives. It's unexplainable. We all, well, hopefully everyone's had a miracle in their life. I've had so many miracles in my life. But when you have a miracle, it's just like, it's an amazing thing when God does a miracle because he, he does it by using um, our minds, which are, that only God can really understand the workings of our minds. So he knows how to do that miracle as no one else can. Well, when we have this miracle of this program, can we really explain how this thing works? It's such an incredible program, a program from living that takes us and turns us inside out and changes our thinking from what we thought was best to laying it down at the feet of somebody else and saying, help me. I now believe I don't know what to do. I am completely at the mercy of whoever God puts in my life, whether it be a sponsor or whether it be the fellowship of these people that I have the joy of being with. And that's the miracle that we are given the gift of people to help us. A wholesale miracle. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. And Laura, would you like to unmute? Sure. Good morning, everyone. It's Laura, recovered in South Jersey. I'll make it quick. I have a couple little kids descending upon me. Um, wow, whatever what, what Sally and Katie just said, I, I can piggyback on that. And and they really, I was I wanted to to talk about that wholesale miracle. This program for me is nothing short of a miracle. There is no explanation other than divine intervention for why am I, I am alive today. And and I know that I believe that to the core of my being. I should be six feet under. Um, if it were up to me, I would be six feet under. But to surrender to my higher power has given me the gift of life, and it's given me this wholesale miracle that this page talks about. The other thing, when it says that every alcoholic who journeys will find the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination, it doesn't say that every alcoholic who comes into the program or every alcoholic that comes into the fellowship. There's many of us who sit in the rooms for years and work the program of dieting with group support. Uh, until I began working and journeying through the 12 steps, as the big book lays it out, I couldn't find recovery. I, I could get abstinent, but I couldn't find recovery. So the journey, um, it, it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. For me, there is no destination. I live in 10, 11, and 12. I grow in 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis. And this program is a true wholesale miracle. Thanks for letting me share. Pass. 
Thank you, Laura. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Yeah, this is Paula. May I share? Good morning. This is Bella. Can I share? <clears throat> yes. So I have Paula. I had some in between, and then I had Bella. This is Janice from Massachusetts. Janice, great. Thank you. So Paula, Paula, Janice, and then Bella. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Julie, for keeping us all in line here. Truly appreciated, and thank you for your service. You know, I want to go right to figures given in this forward describe the fellowship as it was in 1955. From 1939... And now we're proceeding forward 16 years. And look at what happens in 16 years, not even a lifetime. And this is what happened. Hope was born. Hope was born in here. But I want to go, now I'm going to go right down to that last time. Yeah, wholesale miracle. And by the way, yes, I truly, I went into, again, Mr. Webster's Dictionary, pertaining to trade in large quantities, 1939-1955, extensive and indiscriminate for everyone. You're not excluded. No one is. Already continues the early text, twos and threes in five of us. Now look at that. Only two? Only three, only five, but then you multiply it. You don't add here, honey. You multiply and look at where you go. You go have sprung up in other communities. There, the growth, the spark that they talked about, that was to take over into Flea. Twos and threes, each one having a name, each one having a family, each one perhaps a job, a place they go to, a place they worship in. Can you see the growth? Wholesale miracle, truly. What a beautiful description. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And Janice? Yes, this is Janice. Thank you. Janice, a compulsive overeater. Can you hear me okay, Drew? Uh, Yes, I can. Thank you, thank you. Well, of course, Paula took my, my friend Paula. Um, this is Janice, a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. I just want to talk about the figures. When you have figures, uh, that's a proof. That's a proof. Proof in numbers. You know, when things, a business increases, you know, the growth, something is going good. Something is working. The truth is being given, the quality and so there is strength in numbers. And um, I did want to talk to you. How, how, did, how did this come about? Well, if we notice the word text, this is why the growth. First, it's since the original forward, which means it's the textbook. There's been hope because of the text, you know. And so when there is growth, there is success because of this book, not because of somebody's opinion or a leader's uh, ideas. It's because of the text that this has grown, because recovered people, recovered alcoholics, and families grew from teaching and, and, and doing the steps, the program of recovery through this text. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. 
Thank you, Janice. Bella, would you like to share now? Yes, thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Julie, for leading this meeting, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Wow, 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 I really like this paragraph. It's a paragraph with hope and empowering. And I will talk about a few words here. Uh, first of all, you know, when I buy a product, when I buy something and it's expensive, I get guarantee. Sometimes I, I get guarantee for one month, sometimes a guarantee for one year. I even found something, I don't remember what, that I got a guarantee for 10 years, and it was, wow, they give me guarantee for 10 years. But every expensive thing, any electronic thing, you know, we all have to change once in a while because we always get new things, new items, and we always have to change. Here, this program, it's a wholesale miracle. Now, there are a few miracles. The first miracle that since 1939, it's working. The same program, the same 12 steps is working. We are different people. We are different times. It's, you know, and it's still working. It's a miracle. Why it's a miracle? Because it's nothing to do with me. Because... We, we bring up into the program God, and this is a lifetime miracle. It's not that after a while this program will not work anymore because we are changing, because our situation is changing. No, this is a lifetime program. It will work. It's a miracle. Now, why another thing that it's a miracle because it's a fellowship. We are not alone. I cannot do it by myself. It's not only me and God. It's a fellowship. We are we together. We are all together, and still everybody is unique in his own way. We are together, and still we have the importance of every single person. And the third thing uh, that I would like to talk is journey and destination. And this is the miracle. Till before I came to the program, I look only at my destination. Yes, my destination is to lose weight. It doesn't matter how I am losing the weight, how my life looks. My destination, my goal is to lose weight. Thank God. Not anymore. Thank God that I have a miracle. Now my goal is my journey. How I am reaching to destination. Now my goal is not to do diet. Now my destination is to do the journey to live life. How to live my life. And this is the miracle. As soon as I put God into my life, I can live in freedom, in a peaceful mind. This is the miracle. Now my life is not all about food. My life is all about my connection to God. And only when my connection is God, with God is 
in recovery, then my food is in recovery too. And this is the miracle. The miracle is nothing to do with food. The miracle is all about my connection to God, how much I am willing to let God into my life. Thank you very much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And we're going to move on to the next paragraph. Penny C., would you please unmute and read? Good morning. It's Penny C. from Boston, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Sixteen years have been have elapsed between our first printing of this book and the presentation in 1955 of our second edition. In that brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous has mushroomed into nearly 6,000 groups whose membership is far above 150,000 recovered alcoholics. Groups are to be found in each of the United States and all of the provinces of Canada. AA has flourishing communities in the British Isles, the Scandinavian countries, South Africa, South America, Mexico, Alaska, Australia, and Hawaii. All told, promising beginnings have been made in some 50 foreign countries and the U.S. possessions. Some are just now taking shape in Asia. Many of our friends encouraged us by saying that this is but a beginning, only the augury of a much larger future ahead. Um, good morning again. Uh, this is this is exciting. When I when I read the early history of of AA and as here in some of the statistics, I get this sense of what it must have felt like for those first 100 and Bill and Dr. Bob in particular to realize. How how widespread recovery had become, and and how they had some part in in this happening. I know for me, working with others and seeing seeing their progress, and and knowing that by by the grace of God, I've had just a tiny, tiny, tiny part to play in their recovery. Is is um. It's just enormous, and so I can't imagine what these people were were feeling and thinking at the time. I came across in reading about AA and the early history a notation that said, after the first edition was published, the American Medical Association in their journal, uh, had, there was an article, and what they called the AA Big Book was, Organized propaganda and religious extortion, and and yet yet, I'm sure their attitude changed. As as how could it not? As doctors all over the world and all saw the the recovery from what had been a sentence of of hopelessness prior to the to the uh, AA first edition and, and those first 100 recovered alcoholics. And um, so so it is but a beginning. You know, um, again, I love reading the history, and we're going to find out as we go along that um, the numbers just are incredible. Too, too, many, too many to count have recovered in various programs using the 12 Steps and even in third world countries. But for now, 
you know, we know as in 1955 that 6,000 groups, 6,000 from that one little group in Akron, Ohio, in, in, in such a short time have, have emerged. And, and um, you know, God, God is so good. God is so good to have allowed these two, these two ordinary men, really, you know, I mean, a doctor and a stockbroker, but, you know, ordinary, ordinary drunks to, to begin this program, which is so extensive, even in 1955. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jenny. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim and someone else? Heather from Vermont. All right. All right. Let's start with Kim and then Heather. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. In that brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous has mushroomed to nearly 6,000 groups whose membership is far above 150,000 recovered alcoholics. So it's not just that they have 150,000 members, they have 150,000 recovered alcoholics. Now, when you came into an AA meeting in 1955, what you heard was the big book. You heard the program of recovery. You got immediately taken into this program of action which would relieve you from the obsession of the mind. And the growth was amazing in just that 16 years. So let's look at, unfortunately, some of the OA numbers. You know, we started in January of 1960, and then 30 years later, in 1990, we had approximately 115,000 members, not recovered members, but members. But it's the same year that our own literature came out. And then in 2010, another survey was taken at Vogue Readers Anonymous, and we had 50,000 members. So in a 10-year period, we lost two-thirds of our fellowship. So why is that? I mean, we can try to draw conclusions, but my personal opinion is we're getting away from the true solution. We're getting away from the program of recovery. What I have found for myself where there's pockets of enthusiasm about this big book, the fellowship grows. I mean, we started out with 40 or 50 people a year and a half ago, and we average now over 250 people listening live, and I have no idea how many people listen to the recordings and to our website. The growth comes from the solution. The growth comes from recovered members passing that on. And they stress that. It's not about how many people we get in the room. How many people are saying, becoming recovered, and being reunited with their family? That's an important message that we have to look at for ourselves individually, and also as a fellowship. What is the message that we're carrying? Are we carrying that we can recover? We can recover from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body? Or are we carrying as a temporary respite where you complain about your problems and hopefully get a couple weeks together? So this mushrooming period has to do with the growth of the fellowship. When the fellowship of AA, which is one thing, and the program of recovery, which is the big book, were mimicked. And this is not just an Overeaters Anonymous thing. When I decided I had to go to some AA meetings, although I'm not an alcoholic, I looked at my county. There were 250 meetings, AA meetings in my county. And when I did a drop-down menu and I put Big Book, there were five. There were five. 
And then the AA also struggles with why is their recovery rate so low? And I hear the same frustration. The big book is being kicked out of AA the way the big book is not utilized in OA. But when it is, the mushrooming period happens. I think that's something that is hope, and I think that's something that we as a fellowship have to reflect on, and this is something as recovered people that we have to be very clear on. How did we recover? I personally recovered using the first 164 pages. I tried many other methods, both literature in OA, literature in AA, which is beautiful to read. It's wonderful experiences, but there's no instructions in it. I tried self-help books. I tried TV talk show hosts. Nothing worked until I worked this big book and I became recovered. So that is what we have to do. The mushrooming period happened when the Alcoholics Anonymous, the fellowship and the program of recovery were united as one message. And in 16 years, it grew to 150,000 recovered alcoholics. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Kim. And Heather? Hi, this is Heather from Vermont. I'm a compulsive, uh, compulsive reader. Um, I, I wanted to just say that um, this growth, I, it made me think of uh, Tradition 11 in where it talks about um, attraction rather than promotion and just um, thinking about how... Um, Promotion might lend itself to uh, deception or coercion in some way, and attraction is comes from this humble truth of, you know, this is my experience, and this has given me freedom, and and others will see that um, within you, and and want it, and and that's. Um, allowing for just that alone. It's, to me, it's amazing how much the traditions um, have keep the program, um, maintain the program's integrity, and, um, and so that, that attraction is part of that. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Heather. Would anyone else like to share in this paragraph before we move on? This is Katie G. from Austin. Hi, Katie. Go ahead. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I just um, was struck when I was reading this is not just, you know, the expansion, right, like of recovery and um, recovered people, thank God, into um, throughout the world, um, but it also strikes me, too, that, like, there is one common language that this disease speaks, and it's not outside of me, you know, like I have traveled to Malawi, Africa to get better. Like I've tried so many different things and traveling was one of them. And in a third world country, I found a, a food to binge on, alcohol to drink and drugs to do and men to be inappropriate with. And what, what I love is it's not just saying that there are a bunch of drunks throughout the world, right? Like it's saying that there are recovered alcoholics throughout the world with promising beginnings, you know, that some are just taking shape. And, yeah, Overeaters Anonymous, um, we are walking in the footsteps, thank God, of, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And there are definitely meetings and there are definitely people who do not use the book as a basic text, but 
thank you, God. Like, we're all in process, right? Like, and we all have a program of attraction to show, and it's not up to us who takes the message and who doesn't. Like, uh, not everybody needs a specific message of depth and weight, but thank you, God. Like, throughout the world, there are people where there's, there's this common problem and a common solution, you know, as it is laid out in this book. And thank you, God. It is, again, going back to that first word we all loved, uh, it's a miracle. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Anyone else like to share? All right, Michelle, would you please read the next paragraph? Oh, I'm sorry. Who was that? This is Judith in Vermont. Hi, Judith. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, Judith in Vermont Compulsive Overeater. Um, when I was in Mexico and Honduras, sometimes I would see these tiny little AA cabins out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And I just was stunned, unbelieving that, that they, it could make it out way outside of the big city. And, um, and that's what's happened. That's the ballooning and the mushrooming that has happened. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Judith. And Michelle, would you um, please read the next paragraph? Thank you, Julie. Thanks. Thank you for your service. This is Michelle H. in St. Louis, a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio, in June 1935 during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. Six months earlier, the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience. Following a meeting with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Oxford group of that day, he had also been greatly helped by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, a New York specialist in alcoholism who is now accounted no less than a medical saint by AA members and whose story of the early days of our society appears in the next pages. From this doctor, the broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism. Though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford groups, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personal personality defects, restitution to those harms, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God. And as um, as this forward to the second edition, um, you know, proceeds in this in this paragraph, you know, we've learned that this book was published or written in 1939. How it grew from those 100 recovered um, alcoholics to 150,000 recovered alcoholics, and now this paragraph takes us back to its humble beginnings, the spark, that little flicker that was to flare and produce that great light um, that became the first AA group and the hope for so many more to come. And its humble beginnings had with this broker who had had that spiritual experience, that experience in his hospital bed that relieved him of that obsession. That's the miracle. His obsession to drink um, was removed. That's the miracle I didn't think that miracle was going to happen for me, that great obsession that I had that one day I would be able to control and enjoy my substances. Um, that that miracle happened to me because of these 164 pages, because somebody carried it to me. Um, someone, 
nurtured that little spark in me um, that grew into a flare um, that helped me to become recovered so that I could also um, become a part of this fellowship and be able to carry the message. And then this paragraph just continues to um, to kind of give an outline of, of how it can happen for each and every one of us um, that that message is carried um, by this big book. Um, I, too, can have access to read the doctor's opinion by Dr. William D. Silkworth. It told me about the grave nature of my disease. Um, you know, I can also read about the spiritual experience. Um, in the solution, Dr. Carl Jung said that, you know, I, I too, would be hopeless and unless I had a vital spiritual experience, and and it's a phenomenon, you know. And didn't we say that a miracle is a phenomena? And um, these these occurrences, these miracles that happen by a vital spiritual experience. And I'm I'm looking at page 27. That reminds me of what this vital spiritual experience is, and it's where ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men, are suddenly cast to one side in a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them and how did that happen for me and how did that happen for the recovered people in Alcoholics Anonymous is also offered to me in these 12 steps. Um, if I will um, be convinced of a need for a moral inventory, um, take step four, confession of my personality defects, step five, and continue on through the steps to where I can make restitution in, in step nine and um, become helpful, helpful to other people in, um, by carrying the message and, and just really trusting God, like it's, like it's telling me here in this last sentence, that's, that's the important ingredient, trust God, clean house, and be helpful to others. And this message, um, you know, is available to all of us in the fellowship, and it's, it's humble beginnings with a little tiny spark. And with nurturing and care and carrying the message and God's guidance, it flares. It gives great light and hope. It brought great light and hope to me when someone carried the message to me. They, I saw the miracle in them, just like Bill saw the miracle in Abby. When, when Abby came to him, he saw that miracle. But then, you know, he, he persevered and um, was able to carry the message. Um, to someone who finally did get recovered, and that's when that's when AA started, when another alcoholic who was carried the message was able to be relieved of his, two of his obsession to drink, and it's just a, such a beautiful story that's available to each and every one of us. And I know I'm grateful today that that spark um, back in that first meeting did flare and produce this beautiful fellowship that brought it forward. Uh, to this day, to November of 2013, and it's available for each and every one of us, for which I have such gratitude. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Uh, Lauren? Okay, Lauren, go ahead. Thank you. Hi, this is Lauren S. from Pennsylvania, a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, I um in reading this paragraph I I have notes in my big book to go to page um 263 when it describes the Oxford group's six um tenets the six step program the original program 
and it says complete deflation, dependence and guidance from a higher power, moral inventory, confession, restitution, and continued work with other alcoholics. And so in the paragraph it says, um, though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford group, um, and then, but he was still convinced for moral inventory, confession, and the other five. So that, that showed me that um, he wasn't fully convinced of the first one, complete deflation. And so this, this paragraph just tells me that complete deflation is absolutely um, the first step. And uh, that's just strengthened every day for me and my program and working with others, too. Um, so I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Yes, good morning. This Leia. is uh, Janice. Oh, go ahead. So we have Janice and then Leia. This is Sharon. And then Sharon. Okay, Janice. Well, thank you, uh, Julie, and thank you for your service. Um, doing a great job. Okay, we have to remember here, what I read here is there was a, the first group. It was made up of two people, right? But if we notice, Bill was recovered. That's a very important um, thing to know. He was recovered. How was he recovered? Well, first of all, he was recovered because Dr. Silkworth gave him what his problem was. He stated the grave nature. See, this is an important thing for me and, and for us. That's Dr. Silkworth. That's why he was a saint, because he is the one that told Bill about the problem. Because before, Bill was going around, you know, talking about religion or, you know, the spiritual nature of, of the problem. But he was talking about the grave nature, the obsession of the mind, the allergy of the body, just like we do when we're recovered to carry the message. That's why, you know, uh, it, it tells us right here, I believe everything in this book. And so, therefore, when it says in order to carry the message, you should be recovered, it's true. Because that's what Bill did. You see, he was recovered, don't forget, for six months. He had the spiritual experience, which is a very quick um, experience, and we can always go to um, the spiritual experience on the back of the page. It's very quick. So he was relieved of the drink obsession. Very important. By what? By a sudden spiritual experience, which is the 12 steps. He went through the 12 steps. But the important thing is that he was given the problem and then the solution. You say um, the solution and then the action to get that spiritual experience. And I think that's a very important thing. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Thank you so much, Julie, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, wanted to speak about that statement from this doctor. The broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism. You know, it was Dr. William Silkworth, who we referred to as, our, as a medical saint, um, a friend of AA, who taught Bill about that grave nature. Dr. William Silkworth actually called it the double whammy. Um, and it's so important, uh, you know, that 
that double whammy, the grave nature, the twofold illness, be taught. Because if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. If you do not know what the nature of your problem is, how will you be compelled to solve that problem and and know exactly what will what will solve that problem? Um, put simply, you know, someone like me, a real compulsive overeater, has an abnormality of the body. Dr. William Silkworth called it an allergy of the body, which means that once I started eating certain kinds of foods or indulging in certain kinds of uh, compulsive eating behaviors, I developed cravings which overpowered me. The feeling only intensified. It never was satisfied. But I have a greater aspect of my disease, and that's an abnormality of my mind an abnormality of my mind. We call it a mental obsession, which means that even if I stop eating those foods, my mind persuades me that I can return to eating those foods and indulging in those behaviors. That is the greater aspect of my disease, that I have this obsession, an idea which takes control over all other ideas. It doesn't matter whether I cried myself to sleep the night before, whether I stomped my foot and said, that's it, I'm never going to do this again, I'm not going to binge my brains out again, that's it, I'm through, I'm done. Everybody's going to be happy now. In my case, if I've stopped eating my binge foods, my mental obsession gives me reasons to go back to eat the binge foods or indulge in those eating behaviors. That's the greater aspect of my disease until I understood what my disability was. First, I had to learn I, I had this disability. I had to accept and fully concede to my innermost self. I had to hear that from another person. That's exactly what happened for Bill W. He finally learned the grave nature of his illness. And, of course, he learned that the solution was not going to be material. And the solution was not going to be physical. And it wasn't going to be human. It was going to be in the fourth dimension. It was going to be beyond materiality, beyond physicality. It was going to be in the world of the spirit, a relationship with a higher power of his understanding. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Sharon, would you like to share? Hello. This is Sharon. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Thank you so much for your service, Julie, and thank you so much for everyone who has shared on the line. I just I just get so humbled and so amazed every time I listen to this meeting. And um the grave nature of the disease, you know, that's what I missed when I came into OA and I came in in nineteen eighty one. And um, I am just so grateful uh, after many years of struggling in this program with this grave nature of the compulsive overeating disease, I did not connect the dots even though I had been given that gift in another program. And the reason I see now was that I did not take seriously the grave nature of my overeating illness. I came in... Uh, really believing that I just, um, you know, I had worked the steps and, and had seen the miracle happen 
in another area of my life, but I just did not understand or um, was willing to acknowledge the grave nature of this disease. And uh, so my trying to do it by dieting with group support did not work. The longest period of time I had was five years, and, and, and I came in in 1981, so that tells you pretty much what my statistics were. And when I started listening to this meeting in July of 2012, and they were in the doctor's opinion, it was like a flashlight shining on these pages, uh, showing me the reason why I had not ever been able to be a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, it just amazes me when I heard some of these statistics um, between AA and OA. But I just do believe that all these people come. I was in meetings here where sometimes four and five people were the only ones there, and, and there was never new people coming on board. It was just sort of this core group of the old people, you know, old timers, but we weren't getting any new people. So what was wrong with that? What was wrong with that was we needed to be in this textbook, in this big book, doing this book study. And, you know, that doesn't mean we'll all get it the first time around, but I do believe that that is what will make the difference for all of us. And so I'm so grateful to be a part of that today and then be able to, to give that back. And when I'm sponsoring, have this guideline of this book to use, to use this God-inspired book that gives such specific directions to lead us from the darkness and bondage of food addiction into the light and grace of being a recovered compulsive overeater. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. I'd like to jump in for one second. This is Julie, a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, Bill talks about relief of his drink obsession by a sudden a spiritual experience. You know, I lived in an obsession, and I didn't know what I didn't know. All of my waking hours were... How am I going to get the food? How can I sneak it? What am I going to do once I have it? Um, it was the art of manipulation. I'd go to bed so sick and I'd wake up with, oh my gosh, what did I eat? I'm going to be abstinent. Um, because that's all I knew. I didn't know anything else. And even when I, you know, I started in OA in 81 and I just got it this past year. Um, I didn't have a spiritual experience. And I, even though I understood the grave nature of my disease. I didn't understand my problem. And it's only by working the steps through the big book, really getting to know and taking action, that I understand who and what I was. And, um, you know, it's not about the food, but it's about the food. I, I mean, I had to put the food down to get it. But, you know, I can say I have had a spiritual experience. Mine was not sudden, obviously since being, you know, since 81. But, you know, that obsession is gone. I don't live in that obsession. Um, I recoil from a hot flame if I even get a thought. But more importantly, this is a life-changing program. My intimacy with my God has changed me. Um, you know, somebody else talked about being living a life with integrity. Um, I can do that now. Um, I'm, I don't 
do inappropriate things with men. I don't spend thousands of dollars and not tell my husband. Um, I eat my weight and measured food. Um, and it wasn't from me. I, I did not do this. It was through these steps. It was through the pages of these big books. It was having a recovered sponsor. So, you know, a grave nature of alcoholism, our compulsive overeating, this disease all but killed me. Um, sure, morbidly obese, but I was an angry, vicious woman. And now it's like, you know, I, I my goal is to put God first. Um, it doesn't always happen. It does. So with that all passed, um, it's time to close our meeting. I want to thank all the readers, um, Karen, Tennessee, Michelle, and Fran, who who um, and all of the people who shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 and followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, Fran, would you please read that for us? Yes, good morning. This is Fran. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.